0: Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to the Divine Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ashna. I'm joined by my fellow partner in Lightwork, Jennifer Lynn. <laughs> How are you doing, Jen?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. We have a really special episode kind of in line for everybody today. Again, thank you for tuning in. This is a show where we explore various various dimensions, spiritual awakening in our modern world. So thank you for If you guys are on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe to kind of stay up to date on our most recent episodes. We have a really special guest in our studio today, Jen.
1: Yes, we do. She came
0: all the way down here from Los Angeles. And she is uh, a woman of many talents. She's definitely a light worker, that's for sure. So she is a freedom coach, transformational freedom coach. She is certified in emotional freedom technique and tapping facilitator. She's also a hypnotherapist and a Reiki master. And she also facilitates uh, a lot of ceremonies involving combo. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So we're really, really grateful to have.
1: And an entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> City. She Kula. does it all. Uh-huh. Yeah. How you doing?
2: Thank you. I'm very well. How are you? Thanks I'm, for having me. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank, you thank
0: you for you coming. For, yeah. Thank you for coming all the way from Los Angeles mm. down to the OC.
1: Studio mm. City.
2: Not an, close. It was an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's good to have you here. We have a lot of ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, you're a woman of many talents. You do a lot of different things.
2: I do, indeed.
0: And I uh, wanted to just kind of get into a little bit more of what it is that you do.
2: Okay, you so... Know?
0: So you, you, you see here, you, you're also... Obviously, you do the emotional freedom technique. You're a mm-hmm. Reiki practitioner. Mm-hmm. So to kind of sum all of that up, what would you say your transformational practice as far as your coaching? What does that look like?
2: Okay, so... Um... I decided to call myself a personal freedom coach and yeah. uh, how it actually started. I am a clinical hypnotherapist. And once I started going that route and studying, uh, you know, like any, any modality, it opened up an entire different, uh, realm of different modalities where yeah. like I was interested mm-hmm. and I started really you know uh, getting sessions for myself and then once i realized it was really amazing i was just like get practice you know like get just like certified certified yeah. and um yeah so like i'm actually calling my own per- uh, personal coaching practice is a uh, multi-modality healing um, mm-hmm. you know coaching practice so what it does is when I'm working with someone doesn't matter what we're going through like it's just like I have this uh, toolbox and uh, my intuition will be the first you know like the tool that I'm actually using being really present with that person and whatever is needed in that moment whether it be oh like we're gonna work on a certain trauma because I'm also uh, Uh, somatic trauma therapist and uh, or hypnotherapy or uh, let's do some like energy like emotional release so let's Mm -hmm. use tapping or so whatever that is called for that i i just used that so it's like instead of saying oh i'm a i'm a a hypnotherapist or an afd practitioner so like there's many Things that I do, like yeah. whatever is needed in that moment. So it's basically. like
0: a, an intuitive impulse for you. Yeah. You yeah. Just exactly. Read with your client, that's a good thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, light work is such a general thing, it covers a really, really large spectrum of different yeah. things.
2: Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know?
0: Yeah. And yeah. that journey looks different for pretty much everybody. Well, studying
2: oh, for shadow sure. also, studying yeah. shadow is the light work itself to me. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually watched this um, video on YouTube a little while ago where it said that, you know, shadow work is really the ultimate form of light work,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: you know? And I think that's the one thing that we all kind of have in common is that we all have that sort of shadow within us Mm -hmm. you know and i think a large part of our culture conditions us in a way to you know avoid a lot of these sort of darker sides of us Mm -hmm. and this sort of like has a a stigma attached to it yeah so it's it's nice to be able to um collaborate with other healers and 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 see them sort of pioneering that type of work Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of uh, when people think of shadow work it's not the the first thing that they think about, especially when it comes to, you know, enlightenment. Yeah. This is sort of like the shiny, polished version of how this sort of thing looks. Mm-hmm. And they want that. Yeah. And it's okay, I think, to want that. But, you know, there's a lot of sort of like diving into the deepest parts mm-hmm. of who you are mm-hmm. and trying to uncover all the things that are preventing us from really accessing our full potential, exactly. you know? So what are some things that you, you typically see, especially right now? Cause we're in a really volatile time. So yeah, I imagine exactly, that the people yeah. that you're speaking with, mm-hmm. um, are going through a multitude of different types of things. Exactly. You know what I mean? So what it, when it comes, what do you think? And, and actually just wanted to ask you this is, sure. is, what is it that you think people resist acknowledging that these shadows exist in us? Why do you think people have such uh sort of like fear into going into these type of realms
2: so like we, we live in polarity right so like there's shadow and there's the light but also we are so conditioned to think and not accept what's in the it, you know when you say shadow it's it's like oh i don't have shadow mm-hmm. but i actually you started really talking about it or like uh or like my studies, like I'm studying many different things and like people are like, oh, I don't have shadow or do you have trauma? Oh, I don't think I have trauma. And then like mm-hmm. we go into a few sessions and then there's like this like really deep trauma and they're yeah. not really even i but want to identify I, with it. Mm-hmm. And they're not sometimes aware and there's nothing wrong with it because, you know, sometimes our body is actually protect us from you know going right. there but also when it comes to the your question it's um it's uh, how I would explain it's really um Knowing that what is not in the light is shadow, but also what is it that we do not want to share with the world? It can be like, oh, like I did this and I didn't keep my integrity. And that is also shadow. Mm -hmm. So really understanding like we are not perfect. We are human beings. So and we are in this polarity and we do that That exists within everybody. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, no one's like all love and light. Mm -hmm. And uh in my own personal experience the more i go deep into my shadow and actually confront those dragons the more light i actually bring so like all the traumas all the things that we're running away from is actually you know like what people want from like when they see another person right being oh she's a light worker she's been doing this but also you know, there's a way that we're going through to actually get that, so it's not like, oh like love and light and there's a lot of you know we can actually even talk about the spiritual bypass that is like it's not accepting the shadow of all love and light oh yeah oh my gosh yes (laughs) see that all the time and that's totally
1: different from somebody that may have experienced trauma and blocked it out Mm -hmm. Um, and then whenever you start talking about it something else reminds them and then it brings it up and then that opens an opportunity to kind of work on that Mm -hmm. that's completely separate from the spiritual bypass that you're talking Mm -hmm. about these are people that know that they have trauma and rather than deal with it they just yeah. are like nope i yeah. i don't ascribe to that yeah. at all it's only
2: love and light here yeah um which i think is worse i mean you know i it, it i'm not gonna say good or bad and it's not my yeah. place to judge but also like it, it it takes away from the full spectrum of the experience right but there's like different um schools of thought that you know, like you can study. Um, I am. I am a student of Joe Dispenza, and you know, he's teaching. Um, in general, I'm just going to talk about. It's like you are whole. Like you're right. all whole. So, and and I thought, like, I was I'm, another teacher was like saying this. If you are, like, when we think frequency, mm-hmm. um, if you are. Instead of like doing the inner work and going and digging deep and looking for trauma all the time, which I think it is also necessary, especially in the beginning of our, you know, like t- taking the full density. Yeah. But once we're do-, do-, do we did the heavy lifting, we can actually subscribe to the other, you know, uh, the school of thought, which is like we're whole and we're all already abundant. We're this and we're that. And once you actually. Think and feel in that frequency anything that is not in that frequency will actually leave you so you're actually going to tune yourself into that frequency so that makes sense also you know i use them both hand in hand so Mm -hmm. like i you know we do the digging deep and cleaning Uh and then also you know like bringing this so this is living from the joy and the abundance and the beauty and all that stuff so it's actually because There's also when you and it was one of my own experiences, is like I just really got stuck looking for a trauma and like it just got very serious. Yeah, and and there is that trap of doing the work right. Right. Mm -hmm. So um now that i'm actually aware of it so like when i work with people i'm actually just like putting okay this is what we do and like we get to actually have fun and through joy we can do do shadow work as well right oh i love that
0: yeah i like that and and it's almost like this 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 I guess this uh, facilitating uh, this sort of radical honesty that needs to take place within a human being in order to arrive to that place, mm-hmm. and it makes me think of that sort of dark night of the soul, because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of that trauma kind of comes to the surface all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this all of a sudden recognition uh, when the light sort of kind of starts to peek into the the depths of that shadow, and all these things start to kind of rise to the surface, mm-hmm. and uh, that I guess, in the most practical level, can just be looked at as us just being authentic and honest with who we are and that is fully embodying that the polarity of who we Mm -hmm. are, which is like that light as well as that dark. So once that trauma all comes and I'm coming from just, you know, my own personal experience, it's like, once that dark night of the soul happens and you're forced to kind of look at Mm -hmm. the implications of your own behavior, your life, everything. Of course, like you say, it, it comes on very heavy, but after a while, I think I find myself more kind of just, present inside of my body. Yeah. And that presence basically, you know, involving me just being present with the people around me, but also being present with the thoughts mm-hmm. that I think and the mm-hmm. full spectrum of all the emotions that come up with that. So when that trigger comes up, mm-hmm. That can be a trauma. I can yeah. pay attention to that, but I think I agree with you. Or it's right. It's like you don't want to get into the process of just obsessively looking yeah. for, for yeah. these yeah. type of issues.
2: Yeah, right. You know? So in my experience, uh, and it's I did not only have one, but uh, many uh, dark night of the souls. So like you said, everything. So it's it's a disconnect. So it's like actually our spirit is like calling. It's like enough. Like I have been trying to, you know, reach out, and you're yeah. not hearing. And this is here you go. And there's nowhere else to go. But actually, to like you said, you know, like I have to feel in this presence. So that yeah. that's the experience of surrender, mm-hmm. so because there's nothing else like mm-hmm. you know you cannot go any deeper but right. also it's like the, it's, it's a, it's a p- um, process of death and anything that is not in resonance will die and then we're like from that place by feeling by surrendering into that experience mm-hmm. we're going to actually start giving a birth to our new experience in a new home frequency basically yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah that's the you know that's the, the presence because there's nowhere else to go like yeah. you know Right. That yeah, it, that,
1: you know? that yeah. makes sense. Right. I have a question about sure. um, you said you were a student of Joe Dispenza mm-hmm. and we talk about meditation a lot on this show mm-hmm. and uh, I've, I've watched a couple of his videos mm-hmm. like online. I haven't really gone any further than that. Mm-hmm. So without giving away his secrets and his like secret sauce, wow. <laughs> what is the difference between the way he teaches meditation compared to the way maybe we would talk about meditation and mm-hmm. um, well, I guess that is kind of asking for a secret.
2: Yeah, you know, what? It's, <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful question. And you, you know, we can have a um, bottle of uh, wine and have a really long conversation about <laughs> like that, you know, like that's <laughs> his life's work. Yeah, But also he's uh, teaching a specific uh, modality he, like that mm. he has been studying mm. over. And he, like, I don't know if you actually heard about his life story <laughs> and like how he actually, you know, started practicing and all that, but, um, ultimately, what he's teaching is we can reprogram ourselves by thinking and feeling with it. Um, we can hold a vision and bring a elevated emotion into it and get out of our bodies and reprogram our bodies because our bodies are, are the conditioned, uh, like conditioning of the past. Right. Okay. So like, you know, to recreate you know, re- not to recreate, but create a new future uh, like okay. we get. So that's, that's that like makes, a okay. deep, you know, teaching. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's like, if anyone's interested in listening to this, I would really recommend listening to a few podcasts or reading his book. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. And I like what you said um, before about, you know, really when it comes, when I, uh, I guess, approach the process of just being present inside of the body, mm-hmm. um, like you say, like the thoughts are largely a product of our sort of Western conditioning, right? That contain our entire story. Mm -hmm. you know and I think the the one thing that the ego tends to do is it sort of starts to wax poetic and romanticize our interpretation of that history Mm -hmm. and I I think as far Mm -hmm. as like me going deeper into my spiritual practice you get to a place where you realize that that sort of dialogue happens inside of the mind Mm -hmm. no matter how chaotic or how good that it is that space of awareness allows you to be able to see both without over identifying with the story and um the, the interesting thing I, I, I feel, and, and you've probably felt this too, where it's like there's after a certain point when you become radically honest with yourself and your journey, there's nowhere else for you to hide inside of your mind. There's nowhere else that you can hide inside of the ego. So the only thing that you could really do is be present mm-hmm. because you realize that the ego can... I mean, you ask really fundamental questions about how the universe works to the ego. We act like it would know the answer to the question, but it doesn't. You know, that. and then once that understanding comes, that sort of like natural process of surrender takes place mm-hmm. where now all we have is what's in front of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it makes me think of like that quote, I think I talked about it before, about when Marion Williamson says that the best way to heal a past, because we're talking about shadow work, mm-hmm. is by living fully in the present. Yeah, Because that's the only place where we have... The ability to move and make a difference.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, like we're like you said, we're over-identifying, and our ego wants to to be safe. And what is yeah. safety? If safety is the, in the known. Mm-hmm. So, like, it doesn't want to. Uh, let go of what it knows yeah. and even though like okay like I used to be this way and it didn't really work for me and I it, like I am a complainer right that's shadow like let's do yeah. shadow work and decide starting from tomorrow I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna be complaining and like our ego and our body is so conditioned to that it's like it's mm-hmm. there's a biochemical uh, reaction like that yeah. wants that mm-hmm. but also our ego is like I know how to be this way and I don't know, like, and it's not safe. So I'm going to, you know, bring you back into that. So, yeah, that's how the ego works. Like, it wants to stay safe, basically. Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah. It it wants to sort of, like, reinforce the continuity of its life because Mm -hmm. it is afraid of death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And and Muji has this really amazing quote that says the ego is a ghost who's afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. it's like, we give so much emphasis on it. And if we're not kind of checking in with ourselves, we could get ourselves into a, a really really big mess and i think i use this parable before jen where it's like that ego is the one that will say you know go ahead and put your hand in the fire everything will be okay and then you go and you put your hand in the fire and you get burned and that ego is going to be like i told you not to do that so he kind of plays both sides of the field Mm. you know and so um when you talk about conditioning um a lot of this in shadow work kind of comes comes up for me because shadow work has been a really deep part of my practice Mm -hmm. as well which Mm -hmm. is you know, we're raised as children to suspend a lot of these type of feelings that we have, uh, you know, a lot of feelings that we grew up sort of almost like kind of hushing up. Yeah. You know, we, so we develop like a lot of shame around certain behaviors that yeah. even just regular kids should actually have, yeah. you know, yeah. and so we get into this habit of, of, of kind of keeping it in that dark corner for so long. Yeah. And it becomes a really challenging thing. And I have a lot of compassion for people when they try and go that far back into their history, trying to recollect situations that happened 20 years ago
2: yeah it takes a lot of courage to yeah. actually do this work you know yeah. uh, I was actually talking to one of these women that I um, uh, you know I work with and she said okay yeah I, I do understand how things work and you know like people are my mirrors and I have the the data to work with but I don't have the courage so you know oh, you yeah. know that, that is the one of the main ingredients to mm-hmm. actually walk towards yeah oh
1: man yeah. that's that hurt my heart for her. Mm-hmm. That made me sad. I'm like, oh.
0: Yeah, it makes yeah. me think of trauma being one of the, the the greatest teachers. Exactly. Right, because it it it's trauma is is because I look at when we approach this spiritual journey, I mean, some people can get it through some sort of like Nerva Kalpa samadhi experience mm-hmm. where they just you know they reach mm-hmm. that sense of integration with source through either like plant medicine or meditation. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people, and me being one of those people that like you hit like a really really low point in your life or you experience some sort of traumatic effect that wakes you up, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, you, you, it shakes you out of your sleep so strongly that you absolutely cannot continue being the person that you were before,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: you know? And I think that um, kind of, I think on a collective level is what's going on for a lot of people, especially because of quarantine, mm-hmm. right? Are you seeing kind of an insurgence of, of, of people, you know, developing a lot of anxiety or a lot of, um, I guess, um, dealing with a lot of these sort of shadow issues Mm -hmm. now more than you have before.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'd like to, you know, also wanted to speak into that, but you asked, so it's perfect. (laughs) So we're basically going through a collective uh, dark night of the soul, like as a, you know, like as as humanity. Yeah. So um, how I actually experienced is, um, so, you know, like you mentioned, we are not, uh, taught to uh, feel our emotions and you know like the mental like IQ and this and that like it's very important not for us to grow up but mm-hmm. emotional intelligence it's not something that we're taught like in anywhere and me being from Turkey and like coming from a Middle Eastern culture it's like yeah. It's, it's yeah and I when I started like being global and mood and like started meeting people all around the world it's it's a, it's a common theme so um but like even like with men, like man, boys don't cry. And like, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like if you do, there's shame there, right? Like you're not right. supposed to do that. So you're not strong enough in that. Yeah. So, so in a world and in a society that is fully conditioned not to feel and it's not okay to feel or it's not okay to express emotions that we are literally locked down in a place in mm-hmm. our places for so long and there's nowhere to, to go. go and you know how these people are coping with their emotions on the regular you know normal quote-unquote normal life mm-hmm. is okay like you, you you socialize you do things you know, just not to be in that experience and to forget basically mm-hmm. and there's many different other coping with you know uh, mechanisms like there's people they eat and there's people who do you know, like there's porn addiction and this and that. So, um, there's, um, so in this lockdown, how it started like, you know, bringing like it it was on the surface, like it cannot stay under the rugs anymore. So like you, you get to feel. You yeah. know, and what we're being taught is, OK, how to feel our emotions. And there's a lot of people who are, you know, who don't have the tools. And uh, during that quarantine, it was it was um, I mean, we're still in quarantine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's um, there's so many amazing um You know, things started happening online, and I actually had this uh, community Mm -hmm. called New Earth Summit. I would do like like weekly gatherings and free of charge. It's just to give people tools for their anxiety or stress like we because you know imagine you're not going to work and no one's making money and there is like how am I gonna get food am I gonna yeah. like it's it's a lot of it's things lot of to think about mm-hmm. so um, but also there's all these things I did not deal like from mm-hmm. my childhood and like it is on surface because everything is quiet there's nowhere to go yeah so like all at the same time that mm-hmm. is the collective darkness nice or the soul but how do we deal with it by actually, okay, there is nowhere to go. I get to do this. And it's an opportunity, like yeah. it's a catalyst, like how I see coronavirus as a catalyst for us to reach to higher levels of consciousness yeah. by really feeling it. So like Mm -hmm. now universe is like, okay, like you get to feel like you are here in this human bodies, in human experience Mm -hmm. to feel like that is like, I was actually, I did a post. I don't know. Like, it's like we're, being grateful for all these senses. And like we have sight, like we can, we can hear and we can smell the flowers and everything, but are we grateful to feel? And then it's like, good, you know, positive feeling. It's nice, right? Like, yeah. it's like, we, we love it. Like we want to stay there. And you ask the question, like, what do you want in life? I want to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. But like, on the other side of it it's like there's there's the entire spectrum of emotions and there is like you said in the, there's a lot of teaching in trauma there's a lot of light in the mm-hmm. trauma once we actually go there and through our traumas I mean if you ask me how did you get here like my, I am teaching you guys my traumas yeah. like I am like that's how I get to this you know like Man. you know path mm-hmm. so uh, by studying in like okay, this happened and this happened for a reason Mm -hmm. and uh, what is it in there for me to learn so like and you study that you by studying and it's not always easy like you know it's not always easy but Mm -hmm. every shadow i don't know if you guys are familiar familiar with uh, gene keys and richard rudd says every shadow contains a gift Mm -hmm. so like You know, like that's, and that's the ultimate gift. Like I, that's why I'm so passionate about doing this work because every time I dive in, like something comes into my presence and like, okay, I get to work with this. Mm -hmm. I know on the other side of it is like something that, like it's going to make me feel more free. It's going to make me feel more vibrant or Mm -hmm. alive or younger. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I, on your bio, I was reading about um, that you're a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any, and I'm sure other people listening have the same kind of image in their head of like the traditional hypnotherapist that is on stage. Yeah. 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 So um, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your practice and
0: stopping people and like a, like on the side of the street. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You come on stage. (laughs) We're going to hypnotize you now. You know, quack like like a a duck, like a David,
0: David Blaine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: I mean, we're in Hollywood and that's (laughs) how it's being shown. Right. So, but it's not quite like that. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. using hypnosis, to tool of hypnosis, which is like a, um, 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 the theta, uh, brainwave, brainwave state, yeah. uh, to use it for like to reprogram. Okay. So like theta brainwave is the ultimate brainwave frequency that we can actually, um, create change from. Yeah. So, uh, using hypnosis tool with a the therapy, like traditional talk therapy and like, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the same um, let's say an hour mm-hmm. like we go into this stuff mm-hmm. and like we talk about it and then how do we create change in, you know like and sometimes it's actually really easy instead of going into the deep trauma like this is what I would like to change mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. I, I I did not really believe hypnosis myself until I quit smoking in one session and I wow. was smoking 60 for 16 years Oh wow. wow! so like it really works you guys was yeah. that like, a, was
0: that like a question of like doing a past life sort of regressive type of mm. thing, or was it just you kind of got really deep in there?
2: The, so, like with any addiction and hypnosis, it's kind of tricky. Like you yeah. have to really want to like yeah. do it uh, yeah. because there's also the physical part, like physical addiction, and you're going through withdrawals and such. Yeah. yeah. Um. But if you do really want it, like it's it's with any addiction, you create a really 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 deep state. Yeah. Basically, with deep state, not the deep state. Mm. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> deep brainwave state. Deep brainwave state. Yeah. So, yeah. so so that's uh that's how hypnosis works. So, how do you
1: get someone there is that like through when you say um, brainwaves like through music or how so do you So, I do
2: use music and I do use like, you know, like my voice and their breath and the, the deep state of relaxation basically. Okay. And that's the state you're we're always uh, experiencing just before we you know, fall to sleep, sleep. and uh, right after we wake up in the morning. So mm. if you guys are listening, you can use that, like we call the golden 30 minutes. Mm. So right after you wake up, um the, you're in that theater state where it's so easy to reprogram yourself and yeah. write before bed so you can do like um affirmations or the, the things that you're inviting into your life um so you can write down mm-hmm. and in the morning it's very important to like not dive into the stress or you know like the yeah. stories of the, yeah. the yesterday yeah. or, or instead of like you can we can use that state which is natural state to recreate our you know like or you know create a new future or a better future and i'm
1: so glad you said that because Mm -hmm. i see and i see this with my husband too the second he wakes up he grabs his phone and Mm -hmm. he's on his phone on the internet Mm -hmm. right like on instagram Mm -hmm. and checking Mm -hmm. all all of the social media accounts and that is seems like the worst time to to do that yeah because now you're programming yourself to do that every day
2: exactly to be a voyeur yeah exactly and you know like that is one of the biggest part, and I'm glad we're talking about that. It's one of the biggest parts of my practice and like personal practice, and what I'm teaching to anyone who I come across with, like which is in this case, you guys, you know. Yeah. So, um, so personal, like, and it doesn't matter uh, how long we practice in the mornings, but I think it's like anyone And I have been in this personal development industry for this past 12 years and anyone who I came across with like that I deem successful and my success is in definition is different, but like, so they have. A morning practice like the, yeah. the, the the common theme is like how do you do this i have a morning practice yeah so and especially in these times of like everything is electronic and the you know like the alarm goes off and like we have the so like it, the discipline yeah. it's the main ingredient saying no to yourself and actually knowing this really this information half an hour right so yeah. like why would I want to actually you know sabotage my own subconscious mind instead of mm. I can actually use it as a tool to create change so Absolutely. so like maybe my invitation to anyone who's listening would be putting the phones on airplane mode uh in the morning so like yeah. I have been practicing that for a long time and' it's, it's, my morning practices, uh, I'm a little spoiled uh like it can be up to 3 hours. Oh wow. And my days can be the entire morning practice sometimes like I yeah. wake up and i keep practicing you know like yeah. and it's a privilege and I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah like even if it's um, five minutes mm. of just like, okay, I have a body, you know, I am in a body and I'm yeah. grateful for this day, like yeah. bringing something to the heart and opening the heart and and setting an intention, very simple intention. Okay, today, this is what I'm inviting into my life. And like from that point, we can literally create a, a total different experience for the rest of the day, because how we start our day is how we live the, the entire day. And how Mm -hmm. we live our days, how we live our life. So why don't we create, like everyone is talking about this change, this this change, but no one's, you know, like willing to do the, you know, like the very thing that moves the needle. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, like the practice, like the, the, the practice. The discipline. Yeah. 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 I love that. So we just, uh.
1: Finished with Lionsgate, so did mm-hmm. anything like significant happen to you during Ooh. that time? During I
2: was uh, I was in Mount Shasta. Oh, you, oh, were? you were in Mount Shasta. So oh, oh, so, yeah, oh, we
0: just did an episode. Well, a little, really? a couple episodes about Mount Shasta. And oh. I just yeah, sat that's and an
2: amazing place, and it was my first time. So on uh, eight eight, I was not in Mount Shasta, but Lionsgate portal was open for a while, right? So, um, it, and it was my intention to actually travel there and really feel the energy. And it may sound woo woo to anybody like you know that place has a different energy i did not really understand it until i was in the vicinity i'm
0: like yeah, see yeah. I yeah. I i've never you. been
2: but yeah he talked yeah. about that it's, like, the it's exact such a majestic it is beautiful place and wow it's an experience yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so amazing.
0: did you run into the telos while you're up there no <laughs> <laughs> we're all looking for it let me know yeah. if you find one yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but they had a lot yeah we had a I, I, it was a really beautiful experience for uh-huh. me too, and of course, it's special for every single person. Yeah, depending on where you go, but yeah, I'm glad exactly. that you understood the affinity that I have to Mount Shasta. Jen's wow. Jen's next; she's gonna. But I yeah, mean, like,
2: yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a, energetically like it's a very potent place because it's mm-hmm. also the uh, root chakra of Mother Earth. Yeah. So like, yeah. it it is already a, you know like a really activated space, and it's like an uh, active volcano also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's so much going on there, yeah. and there's lot of you know you know and also the people who are living there like there's a lot of light and you know things. oh that's yeah. super
1: cool
0: yeah. yeah i love it well we were talking about a little kind of back and track a little bit when you were talking is this is really uh, just an integral practice for me which is the morning practice mm-hmm. i actually read that the first 15 minutes of your day will dictate how your entire day will go. And Mm -hmm. one thing that's really beautiful, at least for me, when it comes to waking up in the morning is that you have that, maybe it could be 15 minutes, maybe it could be 20 minutes, I don't know. But when we all wake up in the morning, there's always that small period of time. Maybe when you're sitting in the shower where you don't really know who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not really so much thinking about the person that you are. And Mm -hmm. then suddenly that sort of ego starts to come in Mm -hmm. and you start to remember all the different things Mm -hmm. about who you are, what you do, what you represent. It's crazy because right when you wake up, you don't, and that's the, I think a compassionate impulse from the universe because it allows you to go to sleep and start over the next day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part of, for me, the reason why I think a morning practice is so important is that you could kind of get into the practice of extending that feeling like Mm -hmm. right when you wake up of just being present inside of your body. Mm -hmm before that sort of thought pops in and it's like oh you're Eric this is what you do <laughs> and this it's is a, yeah.
2: yeah and you know like and and there's like a whole scientific part of what you're saying and yeah. like that the whole experience which is when you first wake up it takes half an hour you, you, for you to fully wake up so like you're, you're you know like it's actually not knowing who you are is actually really beautiful or not yeah. remembering who you were yesterday yeah. is actually really beautiful so you get to create in that moment by just being present and you can tap into that it's like you know part of the part of the you know actually main ingredients of like manifestation like no. you, you know you from the from the nobody from the uh, from the quantum level you can actually create who you want to be mm. uh, without the bringing in the stories of the no. the, the yesterday because uh, on a regular day I'm I don't know where this is gonna go after I tell this like <laughs> <laughs> on a regular day we have 60 to 70 thousand thoughts we think' That's a lot yeah Yeah. and uh if you think about if you if you believe that our thoughts create our reality Mm -hmm. we wake up and 90 the next day 90 percent of our thoughts are the the same thoughts that we were thinking the day before so Mm. we are literally just reliving the yesterday Mm. like we're not doing anything new and we're like so, so that gets to be the experience in not believing into our thoughts, and also mm-hmm. really doing things differently. And it takes a lot of you know, like um, to create new neuro, neuro pathways. Yeah. Like it takes a lot. So maybe. Even like changing, okay. I always take this drive, um, mm-hmm. you know, to work, but let's just change the route like for that day. And yeah. like, watch how many different synchronicities will unfold for you because you chose something that is unknown. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's what Osho says courage is a love affair with the unknown. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think that a large reason, a large part of the reason why people need. Um, that sort of, I guess, comfortability is because they have that fear of change. Mm-hmm. Like they have a, a, a really large fear of not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. But the reality is we live moment to moment. Yeah. And, in- the complete unknown, yeah. but we pretend to try and, I guess, with that, I think that's where I'm speaking to a large part of what the ego does, but yeah. it gives us a sense of safety, yeah. but at the same time, kind of prevents us from moving forward. Yeah. It prevents us from really, really accessing the moment that we're in. Exactly. So I think, um, and I, I could even draw that as far back as like people's fear of death. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if, if people dove really, really deep into the implications of what that means, then they would live a more peaceful life because then they would know that this, that, that the source inside is eternal,
2: Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know? You know, like that death is one of the topics that it gets to be talked more and like it's not talked enough yeah. because we act like it's never gonna happen and it doesn't happen, <laughs> it won't happen to us. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, but once we actually start making peace with, death. Which is a big thing, you know, mm-hmm. but also like we are having a lot of, you know, small deaths, like even you're, you know, you talking that you're having a dark night of the soul and emerging from that chrysalis, like imagine the, you know, like transformation is like, think about like a butterfly going, you know, the caterpillar going into the chrysalis and then coming yeah. out as if like with wings and doesn't know what's happening. That's a death process. Yeah. And throughout our lives, we go through so many death processes and yeah. death is just, it's different, you know, like it's the, um, the energy, like we are changing form. Yeah. So, and, and and it is non-negotiable. We're all going to die. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the one who yeah. says yeah. that. Surprise! We're all going to die. It seems yeah. to be the
0: only thing we actually can be certain of. Exactly. In
2: taxes. You know? Yeah, exactly. But,
0: it's like the, <laughs> but it, in taxes, and it's the one thing that people just go around pretending like it's not going to happen. Yeah,
2: that. exactly. So it is something that I think, um, once uh, there's a book, uh, Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, if mm. you guys have not read it, like I would really recommend It's It's actually like really, uh, teaching how to hold space for someone who's dying and like in the traditions and such and mm-hmm. now I actually heard uh, in Mount Shasta from like I met this beautiful amazing woman and she's a death uh, doula she's holding space for the and I had no idea this existed in such an amazing like yeah. honor you know yeah Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 so are? I
0: actually I, yeah. I wouldn't call it a death doula I mean there's probably different ways a different of ways calling to experience it but it. Yeah. I mean long story short and Jen knows his story I had a near death experience in my early 20s and so that kind of got the gears going into afterlife studies so i actually started volunteering at hospice mm-hmm. right and my experience with death was one of the most peaceful experiences and uh, i did kind of come face to face with source mm-hmm. and there was there was nothing really crazy or 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 you know you know it was nothing dark about it yeah. so it was a really beautiful experience and that that right there is that sort of Um, that realization that most people don't realize about it is that they, when they, when we think of death, we think of uh, every possible horror movie that we've seen in the past, Mm -hmm. a lot of these sort of like mythical structures that go on in our minds Mm -hmm. about what it means. But um, I think it's, it's not really like that. You know, I think it's a very peaceful process, but I I started volunteering at hospice sitting alongside of patients who are in their final days. And it did that for a long time. And just even being present with somebody that's transitioning is like a just like a practice and a teaching all themselves. A lot of like the, my my greatest teachers were mm-hmm. some and of so those. So it's patients. an honor
2: to actually mm-hmm. like be there for you know like yeah uh, yeah yes. like
0: you feel almost closer to God in some ways yeah. because mm-hmm. they're they're like on their way there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think from my experience, once you are sitting alongside of some of these patients, they become almost like this swinging door where yeah. like they're here, but they're also in slowly merging into this mm-hmm. other space. Mm-hmm. And you can tell just based off of even their behavior, the things that they look at in the room, mm-hmm. the type of things that they talk about, mm-hmm. like they're going over that life review inside of their mind actively mm-hmm. while we're, they're still breathing. And then when they finally transition, it's like Jen, she's a nurse And she's seen sort of like the spirit leave the body just as I have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like you say, like the peace that you feel in this room.
2: You know, yeah. like know. we ultimately forget, right? Like when we decide to come into human bodies and like through the portals to this, to this experience, we are actually this like infinite, you know, like source and we spirit and like, but like we agree to really forget like in this experience. So, and then through the ego constructs and the programmings and everything and like, like it's, it becomes this like scary experience, yeah. but also, um, through my uh, experiences with, I did not have a near death experience, but I have been working with plant medicines and plant allies for a long time now. And that is in and of itself, like agreeing to, you know, like die to my ego over and over again, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, like understanding, wow, yes, this is like, it's like the closest thing that you can get to, to, you know, like who we really are in those Mm -hmm. experiences. So um, through i mean plant medicines are not for everybody but like through my experiences like those were the things that opened the path for me to Mm. really understand what it really means to be a multidimensional being and to be like this the spirit and source itself and agreeing being in a body at this time
1: yeah yeah I've known several people that have um, experienced plant medicine and what would you say to someone who was really looking to gain something from an experience, but didn't get anything out of it? Mm. Have you, have you experienced that where somebody goes and they do uh, a ceremony of some plant medicine ceremony of whatever, mm-hmm. and it feels like they, they feel like they didn't get anything okay. from it?
2: Yeah. So um that's a multi-dimensional experience right and there is you know like no time and space and um so I have sat with my first ayahuasca ceremony four years ago. And my first psilocybin was, I don't know, like 16, 18 years ago. I don't even remember. But I still get messages and downloads and uh, teachings. And like the visions start making sense. It's uh, like from those times. From those times. So so there's no such thing that like it didn't happen, but also like our ego. So it's like you cannot make sense or like think your way into something that you can feel your way into. Ah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So like, and it won't stare. Oh, like, and that's a programming, right? Like they want to yeah. believe, Oh, it did. Nothing happened to me. It doesn't yeah. work. Nothing happened to me. Like yeah. if you keep saying that that's what's going to be happening. So right. because right. you're going to create that resistance, but it's like, yeah. I don't know. I experienced it. And you know, like it started opening. I just actually had an experience and I had a chat with a friend and I was in his first uh, ceremony and I mean, he had some visions and such, but he didn't know how to integrate. So because like the integration, like I said, it can take like, with some information, it can take five years or like split a second. doesn't matter. Like you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But you receive that information and it's like, it's in your, it's in your consciousness. So, um, so he was like, wow, like it's been a year and now I'm actually seeing and, re- you know, like experiencing this with my family. So like, I'm like, this is what it is. Like, yeah. because he always thought, oh, I don't think ayahuasca is for me. I'm not going to go back to it because nothing happened. Because yeah. we, like with our egos, like we want change and we want it now, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but we don't know like how to integrate. We don't know how to, you know, just so like, it's, yeah. it's, it's an interesting experience. Like it, it's, it's like. Over the course of our life, like if we even set one time, it can unravel itself in a total different way.
1: Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I like what you said about you can't talk your way into, you know, an an experiential sort of circumstance. I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. even if they intellectually, you know, after having an experience like that, don't feel that it gave them anything maybe at a rational level, there's just, there's this unbelievable feeling that something obviously is different,
2: mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm,
0: and mm-hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it, it, it's something that could illuminate itself yeah, one and, or two years down the road.
2: Yeah, and, and, and you know, like there's so many different visions that like we do not have in our like three-dimensional reality right here. So like, to sit in meditation and like in the integration process. And I think like um, I want to speak into that Um, plant medicines are, you know, becoming really popular, especially like, you know, like here. And um, but we're not talking the most important component of the, the ceremony the ceremony starts with the intention mm-hmm. and like once we start okay like when we say okay I'm like willing to work on this and set the intention yeah. and then there's the preparation side like you get prepared for that like uh, your diet and your intention and then mm-hmm. you just like put your energy into it and when you're in it the experience itself is part of the ceremony the biggest part mm-hmm. and then the fourth component and the, I think the most important uh, is the integration and people we forget the integration part and we want to go back to it next week next week and there's people who are like so you know doing hundreds and thousands of ayahuasca ceremonies but like it's just in the intellect like it's not in the body it's not embodied so embodiment Mm -hmm. and integration I think the biggest work that we get to do and teach um, in this time yeah. In this mm-hmm. time. And yeah. uh, I do like mention it in uh, like embodiment. Like we know it. it. There's information everywhere. We can Google anything now, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but how do we be? Yeah. Like it's not wisdom until it is living in the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 I love that. And, you know, when we talk about, um, when we talk about plant medicine, mm-hmm. it, it, there is that sort of undeniable force of, what it feels like to lots of people to be death. Mm -hmm. Right. And well, how do we translate that in the body when somebody tries to piece that apart in their intellect? I mean, if I were to just Mm -hmm. give it anything, it's basically just the ego making a bunch of noise Mm -hmm. because the ego has like this issue with not knowing what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think the beautiful thing about plant medicine is that it gives you the ability to, you know, see the ego kind of objectively and allows it to sort of, take a backside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now all of your left is with your pretty much your eternal self. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people need, you know, that sort of break from the ego. Mm-hmm. But And, and, you know, I think it's it's a really, really powerful
2: tool. There is, um, you know, there is still a uh, possibility that we get to, you know, get stuck in the mind, even yeah. though you're in ayahuasca ceremony. So yeah. really, um, you know, because we want to control everything, right. right? Like control. And um, th- it's, it's like, I want to know what's going to happen. Is it going to happen? Is it working with my... And it definitely happened to me. Like, it's not like... But once we really understand, like that that's not happening in that realm it's happening in the heart and like it's happening like really trusting the intelligence of the the teacher or the plant teacher Mm -hmm. and then like we can actually have that experience so ego is 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 tricky but how do we get to actually you know be an ally with the ego like because you know especially in the spiritual communities like it's like. Oh, she's big ego. She's everyone's have, have an ego and you're not getting rid of it. I'll tell you. Yeah. So like, how yeah. do we actually, you know, be partner with our ego? Yeah. Like, so it's our partner. We work with it and not the wounded traumatized ego, but yeah. the healthy ego that is actually working for us to protect us yeah. because it's, you know, like it's, it's there to protect us from yeah. things. So working that, that comes in the, you know, like the component of the shadow work in the trauma work, like, okay, so this is my wounded ego when you re- react instead of responding yeah. right so that is the wounded ego but once you start doing the work and cleaning the underneath mm-hmm. and by doing the work that is going to be you know what's going to emerge from that your healthy ego so that you are going to be actually you know actually mm-hmm. it is going to do the work that is supposed to do
0: yeah, yeah absolutely ellen, ellen watts has this quote that says uh trying to Thinking, trying to get rid of the ego is the biggest ego trip there is.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. because you know?
0: yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, the sort of uh, Western approach, we kind of look at it almost like we would a relationship. So if we're in a relationship with somebody for an extended period of time, we could, if if it ends up being a toxic thing or it ends up end up not working out, we can just end that relationship, move on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But the ego, mm-hmm. we pretend that we can do that with the ego, that we can just sort of, Pull it to the side and go on with our day doing whatever it is that we do. But it's that one relationship that we absolutely have to collaborate with. Yeah. Because it's always going to be there. Yeah. You know, we can't just leave it like we would a toxic relationship. Like you have to live with the relationship that you have with it. So the best thing I think to do is to just develop a good relationship and healthy relationship with the ego. And I guess for me, that's more about looking at it in more of a practical way. It's good for practical things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not good for trying to wax poetic about the mysteries of the universe. It's good for helping me like survive and live my life.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, like the, the most important relationship that we will ever, ever, ever have is the relationship that we have with ourselves. And, like how do we get to do that? Like what mm. is it that we choose for ourselves? Am I mm. in war with myself? Because yeah. what if if I am, like I'm going to be experiencing in my outer world too? Because we're creating the world from inside out. Yeah. So like how is my relationship with my ego? And like is it like if I'm only seeing the ego? Oh, there's ego. That, 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 that means like I am operating from my ego that because that's what I'm seeing right. only. Mm-hmm. You know that's why. Would, like you know.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, so I want to um, dive a little bit deeper into you were talking about your trauma work, and you're from Turkey. Mm-hmm. and um we were talking a little bit before the podcast about how you help women mm-hmm. who have experienced um, trauma and lived in a country where there is obviously a femicide there. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about the work you do there? Thank you so much for th-
2: for that. So, actually, it just became online for me. So, I have been working with an archetype of a woman who is um who is basically the um The consciousness, the bridge for consciousness and bridge for healing, because of the everything that I have, all the work that I have been doing here on myself and you know, like and with other people, but I did not really know how to bring it online because of the the. maybe timing let's say and what started happening uh through femicide and all the women's right and everything like uh, in this past uh few past month actually Yeah. yeah um is actually brought fully online the archetype that i have been working with so i started a um Uh, Let's say I'm not going to say like just regular women's circle that the ones that we do here, it's almost like a uh, like solidarity and support group for women who do not have the means, but they are going through um, really big um, like trauma. Uh, Mm -hmm. sexual abuse and domestic violence and such. And actually how, uh, if we actually go into the information, how, like what's happening in Turkey in 2019, um, almost like 500 women were killed, Mm -hmm. but... These people were killed for, like, only, I think, I was looking at the numbers, only two of them were killed from a stranger, like, complete stranger. Yeah. The rest is family members, and, spouse, like, yeah. spouse, yeah. ex-spouse, ex-boyfriend, and such. And think those are the only
1: the ones that are reported. Yeah. Right, yeah. like there has to be more that have gone unreported. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I, you know, obviously that that whole thing just within the last month, that whole challenge accepted movement, and I'm seeing a lot of women, you know, sharing those photos as a way to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you came, you're you're originally from Turkey, right? yes, I am. So yes. I, I was doing some research on it. And they have sort of like that antiquated patriarchy that mm-hmm. is male dominated in their culture. Yeah, right. So. Um, I think, I mean, that's probably been going on for a really, really a long, long time. time yes. So, I mean, and I started actually was also reading about like how men are raised in that culture, which mm-hmm. is like the, from the very, very beginning, they have these sort of, you know, ideals of what they imagine a man to be yeah. a protector and they send him yeah. into the military. Exactly. They go through like a really traumatic experience as exactly. far as I understand. Exactly. And I imagine that sort of. I mean, I, mean, just, I can't
2: ima- even imagine what's happening in the, in the army and such, you know, but yeah. also, but also the, with the work that I'm doing in, so I do believe everyone has like whatever, like political thing is going on or like social injustices, whatever, um, the, everyone has their own way of, um, like serving and like, um, standing up for it. So, mm-hmm. uh, with me. I am not really, I do get the information and the data. I am more interested in like how women are actually dealing with it because Mm I also am coming from that culture. And it was always a mission for me, how I just didn't know like how it was gonna lay itself out for me because I did understand what it means to come from a uh, family or from from a background that is like, you're, you're, what you say does not matter and like yeah. you're, you're you don't have permission to do this you, it's just like sh- you're you're shut down yeah mm-hmm. like completely and there's also physical abuse it, you know like it's like emotional abuse there's sexual abuse and this and that so mm-hmm. like how and the, you cannot talk about it because also if you're raped or if you're abused or if like anything it's it's all the shame is being put on you that's yeah. actually whatever is happening right now is yeah. to bring in awareness like no like this yeah. is, you know, like this is, this is not it. So, uh, and all these women, and it's just like, this work is just so close to my heart and mm. and they don't really know even to, to talk about it. So what I'm creating right now, and it's um and in a few weeks, I'm going to Turkey. Uh, it's to really create safe spaces to actually open the conversation because uh, what is shadow work, right? So mm-hmm. if what, what is not in the light is in the shadow. So if one person is actually listening what you are going through, doesn't matter who that is not in the shadows anymore mm-hmm. so a really opening space uh for these women to talk about but also it's very important like how safe is the container because also this is a big trauma like if mm-hmm. anything comes up like we you know we get to be really you know like on on hands on and like really take care of these women yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: and in the opposite side of that i mean i i, I i'm kind of a huge advocate for you know uh, divine masculinity. Mm-hmm. So coming from the divine female perspective mm-hmm. and this, is, this doesn't even just have to be for Turkey. This is all across the board because yeah. there are various different type of things that are coming to the surface right now, as far as like the child trafficking, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the way women are portrayed in the media mm-hmm. and the, the way that, you know, uh, for a long time um, women were sort of just felt to be inferior. Yeah. Like what is it that you think m- uh, men need to heal as far as uh, you know, those those deep sort of wounds, and kind of arrive more to that place of integration with their divine masculinity.
2: Yeah, Mm, that's a good question. So that's a really beautiful question, and that's a really big question. But like what it comes to me first, like as far as an answer, which, you know, like it's it's a deep, deep work, and it's a generational work. And, you know, not only men is uh, carrying this wounded masculine, us women are carrying the wounded masculine as well. So really looking at that. But if you're asking for only men, what do they get to do? It's actually really learning um, how to actually feel Mm -hmm. and being okay to feel and express the feeling first. Like, because- there's a lot of shame there. Like, how do I express my feeling? And like, if there's, you know, even like in in intimate relationships, like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel this. I'm not supposed to say this. I'm not supposed, like, you know, they cannot be intimate. They cannot open their hearts. And and in the divine marriage, which like when the healthy masculine and the healthy feminine comes together, the feminine teaches the masculine to open the heart. Mm -hmm. And the masculine teaches uh, the feminine to like be safe and like, you know, hold it safe and so so the the masculine for it to be healthy not only in terms of like in terms of being a male Mm -hmm. i think it's like really learning to open the heart and like feel the feelings yeah
0: i agree with that because i mean and i've been in relationships in the past where it was just like women have these archetypal some women have these archetypal images of what a man is portrayed Mm -hmm. their idea of strength of course is different for all of them but you know it, it's 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 interesting that in our culture, being able to be external with your feelings is almost looked at as a weakness. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have a I have a moon in Gemini. I like to talk. Yeah. You know, I like to talk about my emotions and my feelings. Mm-hmm. And you know, the right people understand that, yeah. and the right people, you know, they they can meet me in that place. But I've actually I have come across I, would, I my own share of like toxic femininity where it was like it wasn't right for me to express my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you develop some shame around that, yeah. you know, so I, I definitely think and I'm, I'm, I think that we're kind of heading into that path by talking about um, these type of things, exactly. especially when it comes to men, because exactly. traditionally, you know, maybe it's that whole nuclear family era where it's like men needed to go outside and chop down ch- trees mm-hmm. and build houses. And, you know, the emotional component wasn't so much there. Mm-hmm. You
2: know? So. I I when it comes to personal freedom I am actually so committed in my work to be the living, breathing example of what it really looks like doing the healing and it's and showing them it's not only love and light and there's always like ugly cries and you're on your knees and crying and like screaming and kicking and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I actually was going through a three-day water fast experience uh, this past weekend and something came up for me and... I was like, instead of just posting, I'm gonna go online. And I was in the process. I was very emotional and like, there was a lot of fear in my body. And I said, I'm gonna share this because it mm-hmm. gets to be shared. So I did, but also uh, I was not fully received. And because also like there's there also two different types of um, followers or, you know, like audience that I have. One is like Turkish and also there's like, you're not supposed to show you're like, there's something wrong, no. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So yeah. so also I can actually see that too. Like that's also my learning too, right? Like how, so uh, still, even to this day, like to be happy and everything is beautiful. This is the life that I'm living. This is so nice to show on our social media or like any media channel. Yeah. But if you're going through something, there must be something mm-hmm. wrong, yeah. like, but also, You know, like that's, that's how we're like, I am committed to teach like to like through my channel, like that's how it wants to come forth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I love how eloquent of a speaker you are in a lot of your, Mm -hmm. your videos. Yeah, and you you touch on a lot of different points and I think the shadow work being one that kind of sticks out for me. Mm, Thank you.
1: I mean, you definitely had some pearls during this interview for sure. So speaking of pearls, Mm -hmm. so if there is one thing that you wanted our listeners to remember from this conversation or any kind of advice you just want to share, um, what would that be? Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you. It's a beautiful question. Gratitude is the... Ultimate form of receivership. It's the biggest uh, prayer. Yeah. So I think it's like we did not really touch on gratitude, but also, you know, like I think it's one of the most important things as we are moving through life, knowing you know, like really focusing on the parts that we 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 have and we get to experience. So this is my invitation. And also, another thing that we talked about was, um, you know, really starting the day with a practice to so yeah. really creating non negotiables for ourselves to create expansion to create transformation. And, um, and yeah, After talking to you, I'm definitely
1: going to be more diligent about creating a morning practice Uh because my morning practice is all over the place. Mm. I wake up. um, I don't set an alarm. Uh, I just my circadian rhythm wakes me Mm -hmm. up at 6 Mm a.m. That's just the time I get up. Yeah. So um, and it's funny since we've been working from home. I haven't I haven't set an alarm one time.
2: That's a privilege, you know. It's yeah, beautiful. it's such I a privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: just wake up whenever the sun rises. So, um, but I'm not really good about being consistent about a morning practice. But now, hearing the first thirty minutes that that's the opportunity for change, I'm definitely going to implement it. So, yeah. thank you so much You're for welcome
0: that. Welcome so much. Yeah, yeah. And I and you said water fast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm not as familiar with the water fast. Uh-huh. How long do you typically go on so a water fast for? This
2: was like this past one was my shortest one. Yeah. I usually do ten days. I have done eight days. I had mm-hmm. done year So I yeah. have been working with Waterfast uh, on. Like, I didn't go o- over ten days. Oh, okay. So yeah, but it is a very transformational, yeah. such interesting experience. And water mm-hmm. is, you know, like we do not need um, any um, psychedelics or any anything. Like everything that we need, it's 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 there by just you just. Um, like water has been yeah. a great teacher for me. That's what I'm I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love that. It's been a really, really, really amazing journey talking with you. Thank mm. you so much for coming in. Yeah. So, Sedi, Sedef Kula, she could actually be found on her website at sedefkula.com. Kula. She's also on Instagram too, which is basically the same name, uh-huh. Sedef Kula. And, um, Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for coming in. We're gonna have to have you come in come back in because this conversation probably could have gone on for another few hours or so. Oh for
2: sure. But there's a
0: a lot of different things that we can we can touch on Mm -hmm. the next time.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much guys for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. Pleasure. Yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah.
0: So thank you everybody for tuning in. It's been a wonderful journey. We'll definitely have her back. And a lot of really amazing nuggets, just like you said. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting thing to kind of listen over. Absolutely, but for all those listening, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also on Instagram at uh, Divine period, Nobody's period Podcast, and you could also find us on Spotify. Yeah, and uh, YouTube. If you have any questions? You can actually go directly to our website at www- www.divine-nobodies.com. Yeah. And, uh, and until, Google and and, and, Google. Uh, We're and just Apple slowly taking over. The We're world. all over. Yeah, you know <laughs> I mean? yeah. Until then, we'll see you guys next next time. Namaste.
1: Namaste, friends.